0: The following program contains themes and images that may not be suitable for most audiences. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Don't forget to follow us on social media at Panda Pig Inc. Rate, review, and subscribe. Welcome to our mm-hmm. true crime segment.
0: Mm-hmm. I do have a PowerPoint for this one. Oh, okay. Hold on. You're going to hear a couple click. Episode 7. Clicking. Where is it? It's in the Episode 7 folder. Okay. You see, like,
1: how we're so organized? Mm -hmm. Okay, Episode 7. Oh, I see you're here. Oh, you see me? I see you. I'm scared. Why do you see me? (laughs) I can see that you're... Here with
0: me. Okay. Alright, so what's going on? Let's okay. go. So, true crime I'm, going <laughs> I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I'm not necessarily telling this case in chronological order, because there are a lot of elements to it. Oh, So, okay. please let me know if you get confused along the way. I've tried my best to make it the least confusing, Um. but right. I will try to let you know timelines <coughs> and what's going on. But I'll try kind to... Of I'll try to see if my brain will work right now. Okay, so continually stop me when you need me to stop. Oh, you know I will. Okay, is that
1: you? Is
0: that you? I see you. <laughs> We're in
1: Google Drive, guys, so we can see each
0: other. <laughs> yeah, see, I told you I saw you. You're here with me. You're here. Alrighty, are you ready? Ah, uh, let me move this real quick. I want to make sure. You- okay, I'm ready. Okay. So, today I'm going to tell you about the murders of Jerry Hillard and Marilyn Green. Oh, that, okay. Let's All right. do it. How old are they? So, um, about 1 a.m. on August 15th, 1982, the police are called to the pool in Washington Park on the south side of Chicago.
1: The oh, scene no.
0: was two teenagers had been shot. So they're teenagers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How old? Like sixteen? Uh, uh, it just says 18 teenagers. Eighteen and nineteen. Okay, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. All right. So upon arrival, a teenage female holding her bleeding neck runs out the gate, past officers, Chicago officers at Anderson and Liache. Another officer, Officer Johnson, pulls up to the scene as well, and the female. Runs past them and get in the officer Johnson puts her in his car to go to the hospital.
1: This is Marilyn Green as the teenager. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. she's a female. All right.
0: They, um, the other officers, Officer Liache and Officer Anderson, they run south behind the bleachers and they see a man fleeing the area. They searched him, but found no weapon, and they let him go. Okay. So Officer Dwyer, a fifth officer. Or, no, a fourth officer. He enters the pool area, and he sees in the bleachers a teenage male, Jerry Hillard, Mm -hmm. laying there shot. Yikes. He asks two of the witnesses there to help him carry down Jerry to be transported to the hospital. So he was still alive, or was he dead Mm -hmm. at that point? Both of them were still alive.
1: Okay, so they were just dying. Mm -hmm. Once
0: they got to the hospital... They died of their injuries. Dang. Jerry and Marilyn were engaged. What? Okay. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna. I'm um. I'm not gonna explain the evidence first. I'll give you the public's perspective. Okay. Of kind of what happens next. Okay. And then we'll get into it. Okay. Right. So good. warrant is issued for the arrest of a man named Anthony Porter. Uh,
1: Officer Liache... Is that this next dude that I see in the slideshow?
0: Yes. Officer Liache identifies Anthony Porter as the man that he and Officer Anderson stopped behind the bleachers. I'm
1: surprised they let him go if he was the only one they saw. You would think they'd take him, but because I guess they didn't have anything?
0: So, this true crime segment is heavily based off a documentary that I watched. Okay. Um and I watched it with my sister and we both had the exact same thought that you did.
1: Oh, Why okay.
0: let him go just because he wasn't carrying a gun? It's very easy to toss a gun That's away from I mean, your hand. Yeah.
1: I just assumed, you know, if he was around whoever is around and running around you would think, you know, just right. take him in Regardless. just to question them to see what they saw or something, mm-hmm. you
0: know? Exactly. Okay. So In 18, uh, well, not 18, in 1983, 27-year-old Anthony Porter is convicted and sentenced to death for the murders of Jerry and Marilyn. He's 19? 27. Oh, he's 27. It was in 1983, so the following year. Okay, so he's 27 years old.
1: Why did he kill him? Okay.
0: Yeah, so I'll let you know when you go to the next slide, but not yet. Okay, so we're... So now, after exhausting all of his appeals, his execution date is set for September 23rd, 1998. Okay. So this is 16 years later, I believe. Interesting, okay. So at this point, pro bono attorneys, meaning that they're doing this for free, they had Anthony Porter's IQ tested. And it came out to be 51. What is that on
1: the IQ thing? So on the IQ
0: scale, it's considered to be extremely low. I think under 60 is really low. Yeah, that's
1: what it was. Yeah, to kind of give you
0: a point of reference, the average person, and I'm not looking at exact stats here, but I'm thinking they're probably like in the 90s, low Mm hundreds. And then for for some perspective, like Forrest Gump, he was considered to have even though he's a fictional character, he was considered to have IQ in, like, the 70s. Yeah. So that's kind of a perspective of how low his IQ was. was. Okay, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. All right. So if you remember as we talked, we referenced the man and the bear a lot in this episode. So (laughs) in the episode... (laughs) That one was just so vivid, man. It was a good episode. (laughs) In that episode, we talked about... Also, the murder of Renee Hartfelt by Isai Sagawa. that was the cannibal episode, mm-hmm. guys. And we talked about how you need to be con- how you need to be considered mentally sound in different degrees to stand trial and be convicted of certain crimes. Right. So since Anthony Porter was already convicted of the crime, and it was still legal at this time to execute someone who c- was considered to have a diminished capacity, right. Um, Technically, the fact that his IQ was 51 doesn't really mean anything, but his legal team was trying to argue that his diminished capacity meant that he was incapable of understanding the punishment but that he was, was about to have. But so he, he literally
1: the, if he was the one who killed them, then obviously he knows what he did.
0: So That's uh, if he did it. So this is about 50 hours before the execution, a stay of execution is granted by the Illinois Supreme Court. Okay. So, if you turn to the next slide.
1: What does it have to do with this
0: one that I'm looking
1: at? The Northwestern University one? What mm-hmm. does it have to do with it?
0: You know what? I'm about to tell you.
1: Oh. So now <laughs> you wanted me to click on it.
0: I've been click. I had been on it. I'm I like, told I don't you, know what it's about. <laughs> girl, I told you I would let you know I'm when you can move on you, to the next one. Little- your little icon Don't follow movie. me. <laughs> don't don't follow my icon. Follow my voice. Whatever. Good God woman. <laughs> follow directions. I said I will tell you when to move to the next slide. I Not I will you when show I move you. To Anthony Porter, okay. 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 Okay, okay,
1: okay. I'm here. So I'm 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 with <laughs> you now.
0: Alrighty. So professor, author, and leader of the Northwestern University's Innocence Project. David Protest took this opportunity to have his journalism students take another look at the case. So, Protest was an accomplished individual. He had also worked in a similar way on a case called the Ford Heights Four, where he was a part of having an innocent man exonerated from his crimes. Interesting. So, he has his students go to the crime scene and reenact the crime. What they found was that the lead witness, William Taylor, could not have seen Anthony Porter shoot Jerry Hillard and Marilyn Green from where he was standing. Interesting. They recorded William Taylor recanting his testimony. And the word recant means like to take back. Mm-hmm. So they film, they have a recording of William Taylor recanting his testimony. They also have a videotaped recording of an individual named Inez Jackson stating that she was a witness to the crime and that the murder was actually committed by her ex-husband, Al Story Simon. What is going on? They also have a video from Al Story Simon confessing to the murders. What? So, two days later... After his execution is stayed, Anthony Porter is released on September 21st, 1999, from prison. That's good, because if he didn't do it, that's good. Yeah, so if you turn to the next slide, you will see the three individuals, William Taylor, Inez Jackson... And Al story, Simon.
1: Okay. So
0: these images are screenshotted from their videos of reading their statements. Okay. Alrighty. Now, the world was really taken by this story. And it was kind of... Um, like there was a lot of press about it. Lots of videos of Anthony Porter being released. Did people feel like they speculated this whole thing and they're like, ah. No, people were excited. People were very happy. Someone okay, who was innocent mean. has been released and the real person is going to get convicted. Even though they don't know which one. It is. <laughs> but this wasn't what meets the eye. So the student's objective was to find evidence to free Anthony Porter. In 1999 when the students did the reenactment concluding that William Taylor's testimony was wrong that he his view was obstructed and he wouldn't have been able to see the crime take place right they said that the murder took place in the corner of the bleachers what? but according to the police report and the crime scene photos that isn't where the murder took place. Yo, who and messed the fence, with the evidence? And the fence that supposedly would have obstructed his view didn't exist in 1982. What? They also claimed that William Taylor was the only witness and that him recanting his statement meant there was no evidence against Anthony Porter. What? But William Taylor wasn't the only witness. He was one of seven witnesses. Yo, what is going on? Why everybody lying? Why (laughs) you you all lying? If you go to the next slide you can see a representation of the exact bleachers. So the picture um in the bottom corner is what they look like today. Bottom right? Yes. The picture in the top left corner shows a little arrow to where the crime scene happened. Mm -hmm. And the second body that doesn't have a label over it is where the students say the crime took place. What the heck? Mm -hmm. That's pretty far away. So here are the facts of the case that I previously withheld from you. When when Marilyn Green was shot, (laughs) she held her hand up to block her face and the gunshot went through her hand into her neck. Ah! And that's why she was holding it bleeding when she ran yikes. out. Yikes! The investigators thought it was an attempted robbery because her necklace was found on the ground. But it really, it probably mm-hmm. just broke off when mm-hmm. she got shot in the neck. And Jerry Hillard was shot in the head. Ouch. A total of five shots were fired. On his head? Um, In total for both Marilyn and Jerry. Okay. Okay, so now I'm going to talk to you about the witnesses. So these witnesses were a part of the evidence in the original case against Anthony Porter, which for some reason were completely dismissed by the Northwestern University students when they reinvestigated the case.
1: Wait, why did they dismiss it? They're literally the ones who are like, oh, you know, we know stuff.
0: What? Well, let me tell you about the witnesses, okay? Okay. So in 1982, when the murder took place, the investigators initially had two witnesses, William Taylor and Henry Williams. Um, Henry Williams, by the the time that they reinvestigated the case, Henry Williams had passed away.
1: Oh, dang. But
0: they were each taken at the time of the crime. They were each taken to the crime scene independently to reenact the crime. Both say they saw Marilyn Green and her fiance, Jerry Hillard, sitting in the bleachers. So uh, I can't remember the name of the festival or the celebration, but it was a, it was a celebration that day in the community. There was a bunch of, um, floats and things like that. Was it, was it in February? No, it was in August. So it was in August and, um, Everybody went to the local pool that night. Like, obviously, it was closed to the public. Mm-hmm. But a bunch of kids, you know, they hopped the fence to go swimming. And the cops said, like, they're not going to go and get anybody for trespassing. They're just going swimming. Right. So that's what um, Henry Williams and William Taylor went to do. By the way, this is very confusing because their first name and last names are interchangeable. So, I'll do my best not to get them mixed up. I just realized they have William Taylor, Henry Williams. Yeah. So, they go to go swimming. And when um, Henry Williams is about to get in the pool, Anthony Porter approaches him from behind and puts a gun to his head. What? To rob him of whatever money he's got. And he's only got $2, so he gives it to Anthony Porter. Anthony Porter walks away with another man to go sit in the bleachers next to Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard. So, William Taylor initially said that he saw the shooting but didn't know the offender, initially. But he later admitted um, that he had hopped out of the pool, turned to the bleachers, and saw Anthony Porter pointing a gun to kill Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard. What? And seeing Porter run to the back stairs but so what? william taylor and henry, henry williams said they hopped the fence and ran away because they were scared
1: but why would they say why would william taylor
0: say he did it no william taylor said he saw anthony porter shoot no i'm talking about before because they were scared of anthony porter
1: so he, that's why he didn't. That's why he admitted to doing it
0: before. So no, William Taylor.
1: Yeah, I'm talking about when mm-hmm. you told me about like the William Taylor and Jackson and no, that's Alice Alistair Alistair Simon. Story
0: Simon. So William Taylor initially recant. Sorry. So at this point, this is in 1982. He okay. hasn't recanted his testimony yet.
1: Oh, okay, okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. So initially, like,
0: on, he, he didn't come forward with his full testimony. Initially, he said, he said, hey, I saw the shooting, but I don't know the dude who did it. Because he was scared. Then, oh, okay, mm-hmm,
1: okay, okay, okay,
0: So then okay. the police are talking to him, and Henry Williams kind of, you know, encourages them to tell the truth. And they admit that, yeah, they both saw it was Anthony Porter, because William Taylor had seen, I can't remember if it was earlier in the week or earlier that year, but he had seen Anthony Porter rob elderly people. Whoa. And and he was scared for the safety of his grandmother. So, I feel bad for the grandma too. So that's why, excuse me, so that's why he didn't say anything at first. Okay, okay. So I won't go through what each Witness saw, but all of them basically saw the same thing. Okay. Um, There were a total of seven witnesses at this time Mm. Kenneth Edwards, Michael Woodfork, Eugene Beckwith, William Taylor, Henry Williams, Mark Sr., and Officer Anthony Liace, because he saw Anthony Porter fleeing.
1: Okay. I was about to say,
0: an officer saw, mm -hmm. yo. In 2006. So this is a bit of a time jump, but um a new witness came forward and that was Ray Brown
1: mm-hmm.
0: um at the time of the shooting he was 13 and for the same reasons he didn't say anything he was scared um But later on thirteen years old. Right. And later on he did come forward. So all the people who were there that night were you know, went to the pool to hang out, went to swim, but they all corroborated the same story that they saw Anthony Porter in the bleachers stand up and shoot Jerry Hillard and Marilyn Green. Okay. Okay. So So this is why he
1: got arrested in the first place.
0: Yes. From from all of that witness testimony, besides, I think, Kenneth Edwards and Ray Brown, because their testimonies came out years later, mm-hmm. but based on those witness statements, that is why Anthony Porter was arrested. Wow. That's all in the original report. It's all the original information. Now, okay. your question was, why the heck did the Northwestern students ignore all of this evidence? So... The Northwestern students obviously did It didn't makes
1: sense <laughs> now, considering this is the reason why he got arrested in the f- mm-hmm. first place. So. so
0: they didn't talk to any of the other witnesses. Their defense was saying that, oh, it was too dark for the witness to have seen everything, or we didn't know there was other witnesses. You know, David Protest says, you know, that they obviously didn't look at them at all. <laughs> you know, but it's later on that we'll kind of get more clarification Okay. Um, so if William Taylor saw Anthony Porter shoot them, why would he recant his statement in 1999? Right? Because right. they've got a video of him admitting that that's not what happened. Well, if you go, if you go to, um, oh, sorry. The next slide was the list of the names of the witnesses. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the slide, no, stay in that slide. Don't go to the next slide. Okay. <laughs> um, You can go back to the slide of the Northwestern students. Okay. So if you look on there, there's a man named Paul Cialino. Mm -hmm. So he is a private detective, private investigator that um, was assisting. Yes. (laughs) That was assisting the Northwestern students and the professor on the case. Mm -hmm. So he and one of the university students went to William Taylor's apartment to speak with him. And they told William Taylor that it's for the greater good for him to admit that he was wrong about his statement. Chilino provided him, provided William Taylor an affidavit, which is a sworn statement, pre-written out a new statement, and basically manipulated William Taylor to sign it. Like, they... Pretty much harassed him.
1: Dang, They said. (laughs) Y'all some savage students, yo.
0: Basically, it was mostly the the PI strong arming. But basically, they were saying, like, this man is going to die because you lied or things like that. So he's scared and he wants them to leave him alone. He just wants this to end. So he's like, okay, fine. I'll sign it. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And they videotape it. Okay. Um, the students even spoke to Marilyn Green's mother, and they told her that they were looking at a new suspect. So they're covering all these areas. Okay. They sound savage as hell. Mm-hmm. So David protests, and two of the female students drive to Milwaukee from Chicago. Okay. As I they tri- said,
1: he protested, and I was like, "What?" Then no. I realized his name is his last name is protest. Another David. Another David. Here we go
0: again. <laughs> um. So, uh, they knock on the door of Alastory Simon. So, they say that his name popped up in an investigation that they're working on and they wanted to ask him about the victim's. Mm -hmm. he said he didn't know anything about their deaths and they talked for like five minutes Um, when the girls were leaving and simon was walking them out david protest got out of the suv so he wasn't with them when they were talking to simon he gets out of the suv on the girls way out Mm -hmm. and he walks towards simon thanks him gives him his business card and tells him that an innocent man is going to die for what Al Ah. Story Simon did and says he knows that Al Story Simon killed those victims. Yo! The students (laughs) in David Protest talked to Inez Jackson, Al Story Simon's ex wife.
1: Okay.
0: They bought her groceries and a space heater. Of
1: course they did. They
0: videotaped her testimony. They buttered her up. Mm -hmm. She said. That Hillard, Jerry Hillard, one of the victims, was a fellow gang member of her ex-husband, Alistair Simon, and that they argued over money. She course, said she heard did. two gunshots. Later, when the police questioned her, she didn't have the right details. She couldn't remember how many shots. She couldn't remember who was there. Um, it's because they didn't butter her up. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> this, so all of that happened in 1999, so okay. before... Um, he was released, they got this information. Okay. So, now, how in the heck did they get Alastair Simon to admit to killing Jerry Hillard and Marilyn Green? So, one night, <laughs> Simon is high on cocaine. And oh. someone knocked on his door at 630 in the morning. <laughs> it was Paul Cialino and this other guy named Arnold Reed. Okay. So they've got weapons and a tripod. Yo! They're, they're claiming to be police from Chicago. Ah. They, they push <laughs> Simon back into his house. Chilino's standing over him with a reed, like, walking room to room to see if anybody's there. That doesn't help considering he is high on He is his high on cocaine. So Chilino says he knows that Simon committed the murders. He shows Simon this video of a man providing testimony and making allegations against Ann, uh, um, against Alistair Simon. Chilino turns on the TV and David <laughs> protests on TV talking about how they figured out that Alistair Simon's the real killer and and everything like that. Okay. So, and they show Alistair Simon... Inez Jackson's video saying that Al Story Simon committed the murders. Is this part of the whole get up because he's high and they have that footage? Or <laughs> well, is it they, real that uh, he's actually on TV and this happened? So this is real. Okay. So they actually got the video of Inez Jackson. David Protest was actually on TV. Jeez. And um, Al Story Simon was high on cocaine, but that wasn't the doing of Paul Cellino. That was his own addiction issues. Yeah. So. So Chilino says they have apps um evidence to put Al Story Simon on death row. Yeah. Chilino then admits that he's not a cop, but that they're private investigators. And he tells Simon that all they want to do is stop the execution of Anthony Porter. And Al Story Simon only has a half an hour to say that he committed the murders in self-defense. They okay. tell Simon he's gonna be paid off, he's never gonna work again. <laughs> and so, Alastair Simon uh, is sitting there, and Paul Cellino puts his hand on his gun, kind of in a threatening way. Mm-hmm. And Alastair Simon goes to reach for the phone, but gets blocked by Arnold Reed, the other investigator. Yeah. And Arnold Reed pulls out his gun <laughs> to <laughs> Story Simon, and Cellino tells Alastair Simon that if he cooperates, he's guaranteed millions of dollars in movies and book deals. Right? What the heck? So, Chilino writes this affidavit, remember, a sworn statement for Alistair Simon. And they rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. Because Alistair Simon is freaking high. Yeah, so he has no he's <laughs> So, they're not rehearsing his right it. Mind. And then finally, they record it. Is this even legal? He's high. <laughs> so, <coughs> the <laughs> So the heck? Um, and in the tape... When you look at it, Al Story Simon's basically looking down the whole time because he's got the paper right next to him for reference. Because he's so high, he can't remember it off the top of his head. Right, right. So this is absolutely not legal. Like, uh, thank you. I was going <laughs> to say this does like, not sound first legal. First of all, they're threatening him. They're they're um he's literally under the influence. He's mm-hmm. vulnerable. And he they're, has not no a, idea what's they're not they're not police on. officers. <laughs> they're private investigators. So this video that they take a foul simon it goes straight to the news outlets outlets it doesn't go to the police yeah and after the video is broadcasted the you the state's attorneys right. make moves to release anthony porter without ever even having the tapes in their possession
1: they just decide hey to release on him tv
0: from seeing it on tv as seen on tv guys that you just don't understand how bananas that is Wow. That it's released without the U.S. attorneys even authenticating the video at all. What? They make moves to release him. What? <laughs> so, so, so um, Paul Cialino promises Simon he's going to have the best defense attorney, okay?
1: Okay. So,
0: he gets him Jack Rimland, who actually turns out to be a buddy of Paul Cilino. So, Rymland <laughs> tells Simon, he tells Simon that the evidence against him is super strong. And he even lies to him, telling him that Story Simon is also a suspect in a murder case in Milwaukee. Is that real, though? No. No. He's, li- he's lying. straight he's up, up on. lying. He he encourages Alistair Simon to provide an apology to Marilyn Green's mother, Marilyn Green, the victim. Mm-hmm. In an email. So, like, he even writes him in an email to tell him to apologize to Marilyn Green's mom. Alistair Simon tells him the whole deal. Like, he tells him that he's innocent and everything. And this is how Rimland is operating.
1: What the heck? So,
0: after Simon is convicted in 1999, which typically, I mean, all the time when you're convicted and sentenced to death, you have <laughs> almost like unlimited appeals. So after he's convicted, he gets a former le- a formal letter from Rimland saying that their professional relationship is over. What so this heck? defense attorney gets Story Simon convicted and then says, yo, we need to break up. Nah. Yo, what? Mm-hmm. But he didn't do it. He did not do it. So... What the hell, Paul Chilino, like... He even admits, like, on TV that he, quote-unquote, bull-rushed the confession and used harsh tactics. Yeah, yeah, you did. That's an (laughs) understatement, bro. And kind of another time jump um, for Inez Jackson. In 2005, she admitted on video that she lied. Um, yeah, of course she did. She got buttered <laughs> up. She said that David Protest promised that there would be books written in a movie. Um she died shortly after she made that confession. She didn't want to go to her deathbed having Lied. Lied. Mhm. So it turns out David Protest kind of has history of doing this. Um, this sort of thing that he does. And um Come on, Professor, what are you doing, yo? <laughs> so there were so, here's where we get to the kind of some crazy stuff. So, this wasn't already crazy? Oh, it gets more crazy. <laughs> so, no, no. so remember, Anthony Porter gets released and and he's going to die in 1999, okay? Okay. So, in 1998, the year before, and remember, David Protest says that he used Anthony Porter's stay of execution as an opportunity for his students. Mm-hmm. Well, in 1998, the year before, there are emails between David Protes and Paul Cialino telling him to find the guy that they were certain was the killer. What? So basically, this stuff's starting a whole year before. And you remember when Al's Story Simon was being bullrushed into confessing how yes. they showed him the video of the man providing the allegations against yes. him?
1: That was an actor. That's messed
0: up. Not dude. even a real person. That's so messed so, This man has been done so dirty. The same year, nineteen ninety eight. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> um, this Northwestern students met with Anthony Porter in prison. Okay. okay. So after speaking with David Protest, Anthony Porter sets up this conspiracy. So you can go to the next page the next slide now, okay? okay. So you can kind of see but all the players. So you've got David Protest, Anthony Porter. They talk. He sets up a conspiracy from prison with this man named Walter Jackson. So Anthony Porter saved Walter Jackson from getting shanked on the playground in prison. Walter Jackson is Inez Jackson's nephew. Okay. So Anthony Porter and um, Walter Jackson team up. Walter Jackson tells his aunt Inez to frame Al story, Simon for the murder. And if she does that, Walter Jackson and her son, Sonny Jackson, will get help to be released from prison by David protests.
1: What?
0: Mm-hmm. And the affidavit, remember when Alistair Simon was being pushed to confess, how he had him sign the affidavit? The affidavit was word for word from Walter Jackson's fake testimony. This is so messed up. <laughs> so, to understand how this even happened... So, 1999, right? Gosh. When this is all come out, right? So, um, this is after the videos have been made from Inez Jackson, Alstar Simon, William Taylor, and after they've made moves to have Anthony Porter released, they pull a grand jury to review all of the evidence, okay? right? So, the first grand jury is just purely a review, they explicitly tell. The jury that they're not moving to make an indictment against Simon, but they're they're only help, helping the prosecution to look at the evidence and re-review it based on everything that's come out, right? Okay. So they're looking at everything. They're hearing from all of the witnesses. And this is 1999, okay? Okay. So they're hearing from all of the witnesses, all the information, right? And this is before Al story Simon is ever convicted of anything. So we're kind of in in-between period. And it's very clear that the Northwestern students have no case. Like, they didn't look at all the witnesses. They botched the reenactment. You know, clearly it's messed up. So, So basically, yeah, so basically the grand jury determines that the police are right that Anthony Porter did commit the crime. So, and this went on for over a month. The grand jury was held for a month. So, once that grand grand jury convenes, remember, they didn't make moves to convict Al Story Simon. They hold a second grand jury, okay, Mm -hmm. the following month. And these are completely different jurors. And they are presented with only a fraction of the evidence in a single afternoon. What? And Mm -hmm. they heard none of the original witnesses. They didn't hear anything about the Northwestern students or, or David protests and their sketchiness. They didn't hear anything about the skepticism of the new testimonies. And <laughs> so what did they get? So they got they got freaking scraps. And based on that grand jury, they indicted Al Story Simon. What? And that's how he was convicted of he was convicted of the crime, even though as far back as 1999 they knew Anthony Porter did it. So, Yo. so there are kind of some fallbacks here of why this happened. So you remember when Al Story Simon's confession video came out, and the state's attorney's office immediately made moves to have Porter released? Mm-hmm. Well, clearly they jumped the gun, right? Yes, and. It, there's some contention between the attorneys as to whether or not it was a political decision that they just had to move quickly and save face or that they just believed that they were wrong. Like, there's no clear answer from the state's attorney's office. Mm-hmm. But clearly, this happening, I believe, is their fault. Okay? Right. So, Al Story Simon gets 37 years in prison. Oof. So... And you remember when he gets convicted, Rimlin is his attorney. And Roman's like, no, dude, I got your back. 37 years is great. You could have been put on death row, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> to understand um, false confessions, it's such a difficult thing to imagine. Because you can't imagine admitting to something you didn't do. Mm-hmm. But there are so many elements at play that could lead to a false confession. And Al Story Simon situation almost checks off every single box because he was high, so he was paranoid. And could you imagine you're high you're high on cocaine and two strangers come in your house and they start showing you videos of people saying that you absolutely committed a murder. Mm-hmm. Right? That like sounds they just like bombard you with all stuff That sounds like an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. It's crazy. So, incredibly, and he thinks that, okay, this is the best thing that's going to happen to me. They're going to give me money. I'm going to be okay. You know, blah, blah, blah. Well, once Simon reads the transcripts, mm-hmm. he sees that the evidence against him was barely anything. So he, so this whole time he's been told that his conviction's a sure thing. Like, this evidence is so strong. And he sees that he was totally duped. So he files his own motion for appeal in 2001. Mm -hmm. Um, How many years has he been in jail at this point? At this point, he'd only been in jail for three.
1: Okay.
0: And he was – he filed his own motion and said that he was innocent and he was coerced. But his petition was denied. Dang. He got a new attorney, filed a new petition, denied. Okay. He's not getting a break. So here's kind of the aftermath, okay? Okay. So 2011, David protests gets suspended from the university Yo. because <laughs> because he was um, altering archived emails. Bro. Mm-hmm. What are you doing, man? You're a professor. <laughs> right. Stop putting your foot where it's not supposed to go. So he has since formed his own Chicago Innocence Project, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2013, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office reopened the case. And the following year, in 2014, they vacated the charges against Alastair e. Simon. Um, so he he's free to go. Mm-hmm. And in the documentary, you see them taking him out to dinner. He's, and been, uh, he's been in jail at how many years at this point? 15 years and 8 months <sighs> for a crime he didn't commit. That's insane. That they knew he didn't commit in 1999. That's insane. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, now you're probably wondering, uh, how come Protest and Chialino are not arrested? I'm also wondering what's happened to Anthony Porter. Um, I'll get there. Okay. So by the time of 2014, for any crimes that they could have been charged with, the statute of limitations had already passed. And the statute of limitations means that there are certain crimes that, if, convic- if committed a certain period of time ago, you cannot be convicted of that crime. What? So, story, Simon filed a lawsuit against... Uh, the Northwestern University's Innocence Project in 2015. This is after he got out? After he got out, and he was awarded a settlement in 2018. So good for him. That's good. Now your last question. What happened to Anthony Porter? Well, my dear, I must regretfully inform you about double jeopardy. Oh, no. What double jeopardy means is that you cannot be tried for the same crime twice. So, because Anthony Porter was tried once, convicted, and then exonerated, he cannot be tried for the same crime again. What? Is that seriously real? That is a thousand percent real, my dear. Come on, America. So, double jeopardy is a good thing, even though in this case it sucks. Because he did it again, didn't he? No. Oh, no, he didn't do it. Well, I don't know what he did with the rest of his life, to be honest. Oh. But double jeopardy is a good thing. As long as the government is doing their job, which they we know they don't do all the time. So it prevents you from being basically harassed by the mm-hmm. criminal justice system. Yeah, you know, if you really didn't commit a crime, like basically, without double jeopardy, they could just get constant do overs. And you could be in court for the rest of your life. Which makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So it's in
0: place to protect the individual. But the problem here is that the state's attorney's office didn't do their freaking job and followed zero protocols. Like, they basically could have... They released him on false grounds. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So... So you've heard... Kind of about the the crimes of, um, that's happened here, okay? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um, all kinds of crimes. Now, let me tell you the, the biggest crime of
1: this whole story. <laughs> I don't even know what's the biggest crime at this point. That's a <laughs> lot of
0: crimes. The <laughs> biggest crime of this whole story is that it completely forgets about jerry hillard and marilyn green yeah they are completely lost in this and while researching this case i kind of almost cried because as you know what i like to do is i like to kind of look up about personal things about the victims yeah to kind of give some backstory and different stuff about them mm-hmm. and the only information i know about jerry hillard is that he was 18 or 19 years old. Seriously? I know nothing else. That picture you saw first. That's I don't even half know of his face. I don't even know if that is Jerry Hillard. Dang. From watching the documentary, they didn't explicitly say any pictures of who was Jerry Hillard. That's that picture sad. of Marilyn Green is Marilyn Green. When okay. you go on Google and you search the names Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard, there is zero pictures of them. That's so sad. The only pictures are of the Northwestern students, Anthony Porter and Al Story Simon, or even Inez Jackson. Not a single photo of them. If you search faces of Jerry Hillard and Marilyn Green, not a single photo. The most information that I have about Marilyn Green is a single line from the documentary that said she was a mother of two. And we don't
1: even know what happened to those two kids.
0: The only other information I have from Marilyn Green is on the last slide, which is from her grave. Mm. That just says some basic um, bio information that she was born August twenty third, 1962, that she died at the age of 19 on August fifteenth, nineteen 1982, that um, her father was Andrew Davis and her mother was Ophelia Green and that she's currently laid to rest at the AR leak. Um, oh, sorry. At the Oak Ridge Cemetery. That's it? That is all that I know.
1: Now. They never really got justice either, which really No justice. Sucks.
0: They get zero justice. Everyone
1: got selfish and started focusing
0: on everything mm-hmm. else. There's, there's this one article that has the same sentiments. When I was researching this case, four hours I was trying to use the Wayback Machine. I was trying to change whatever. I could not find an obituary, nothing. That's so sad. I was getting creative. <laughs> so As you do. Th- there's this one article by um, Peter V. Bella mm-hmm. called Justice for Alice Story Simon, No Justice for Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard. Mm-hmm. It was written October 30th, 2014. And there's just some lines from this that, like... I feel are really powerful.
1: What do you, what were the lines? Okay.
0: So one is left out of the story, except in passing, are Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard. They are two people who were murdered in 1982. No is no one is speaking for them. They have no news media cheerleaders. Academics are not coming out of the Ivy to speak for them. Like they did for David Protest when he was discredited. Mm-hmm. Powerful progressives are silent. They are dead. It is as if they never existed. They do not count or matter in the running narrative of a train wreck. Um, lost in all the publicity were Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard. No one made a name for them. No school gained renown on their account. No reporters wrote about them or mentioned them on television. Protest, Porter, and Simon got all the ink and pixels. Wow. So mm. So that's that's I I cried when I was researching it. I'm kind of a baby, but (laughs) it just usually I can get a line. Just a single line, like even with um Eduardo Sanchez from last week. The man in the the man in the wall, the man who the one who was found in Canada. The one you couldn't really find information on either. At least we knew he was a DJ. Yeah. And he liked music. Yeah. And that he was a good brother. And a great son. You found at least something. But with um Jerry Hillard, nothing. Zilch. N- nothing but his name. Not even a birth year. And with Marilyn Green, you see Oh well, you got his age. You got his age. So you could get his birth year from the day. He but died not his birthday. Them. Oh yeah. And then in the documentary, which is an excellent documentary, um, you do see them talk see words from Marilyn Green's mother and sister mm-hmm. but it's more about the case nothing about her so yeah. the real crime that I'm telling you about today is of the murder of Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillard. and of course Alistair Simon is a great travesty that he was put in prison yeah but if people advocated as hard for Marilyn Green and jerry hillard as hard as they advocated for anthony porter they would have justice and maybe more would be known about them
1: yeah that's why you don't you shouldn't always believe what you see on tv i always
0: especially the state's <laughs> attorney's office don't believe c- confessions you see on tv like Yo, come <laughs> maybe on maybe actually have them and validate them first yeah mm-hmm. yeah like, come yeah. on now. So that is...
1: That is um, the lesson, guys, is um don't believe everything you see on TV and mm-hmm. don't do drugs.
0: Yeah. So my source, my main source for this, and of course, little tidbits from Wikipedia or whatever, but my main source of information was a documentary called Murder, A Murder in the Park. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's really well done. The visuals are amazing. And... Even though it doesn't, Marilyn Green and Jerry, Lee Hillard, Jerry Hillard are merely a footnote in the story, it's still um, very informative on the situation. That's good. At least there's something. hmm Ah,
1: jeez. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was passionate about this one. I, I
0: could tell. You got into that one. Yes. But for the most part, um, I was able to keep up, so. <laughs> so, my connection to this case <laughs> for the Bones episode was obviously last-minute stay of execution. Yeah. And where the person who was stayed of the execution was the true murderer in the first place. Yep. A lot of connections. So, kind of there. guys,
1: if you are just listening and something may if it did not make sense we do we are on youtube so you could see visuals there yes and if you just want to just watch the true crime segment we mm-hmm. will have it posted yeah we as split well.
0: it in half so if you're just interested in listening to the true crime segment um, i'll use um i'll probably end up using a lot of imagery from the documentary as reference
1: especially so that we can keep track of what's happening
0: yes i know it's kind of confusing but um The documentary kind of jumps around, too. But if I told it in their order, you'd be way more confused. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But watching it, it's an enjoyable experience. So, yeah, Yeah. check out our YouTube video, rest of our social media. Um, We're on... review, and subscribe. Yes, please. Let... Please give us a review. We need some feedback, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, if we annoy you, tell us what annoys us... What annoys you about us. We want to get... (laughs) We want to get better. We want to... we're we have a lot of fun doing this. I mean if you like us then yeah, give us the good yeah, stuff. Let us like know. us, yeah. Validate us, know. us or critique us. You pick.
1: You do whatever your heart if you want us to do something else, we could do something else. Mm-hmm. We'll keep this on the side. But we could yeah. do other stuff too. We like other things. hmm mm-hmm. But even if you guys don't, we probably will do stuff anyway, so you could stay true. tuned for that. True, we true. like a lot of stuff, so we'll probably try it anyway.
0: Yeah, so let us know what you think, and we'll see you next time. And if we haven't, you know, completely turned you off, and you don't find us completely irritating, (laughs) let's hang next week. Yeah, don't turn us off. Please don't turn us off. Stay turned on. Thank you. I just did finger guns.
1: You did not just do finger guns. I still
0: have finger guns in the air.
1: Goodbye, guys. (laughs) Have a good one. (laughs) was Catch you out next week.
0: <laughs> Good night. Good night.
1: Good morning. <laughs> Good evening. Good afternoon. Yeah, let's go to bed. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> next week on the Heart and the Bones. So the idea of Hallmark Hot means that the person in really any other context just looks like an average person. But in the context Oh 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 of, I know you of about. a Hallmark movie they're like the male lead and they're seen as like super attractive. But they're totally not but they're really not.